You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper Podcast with your hosts, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and Big Travi. Wow, hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whisperers Podcast. That's Big Travi and I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks and we're here to give you that fantasy football fix here on this awesome Tuesday night. Big Travi, how we doing, man? We had this awesome kickoff this past weekend where the Fantasy Whispers were in California at the uh, Bank of Venice takeover. That was that was a lot of fun, man. We got to see a lot of fans. A lot of fans came out, enjoyed the the drink specials, enjoyed the raffles and the giveaways. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was nice to do a lot of good things for the fans. They came out, they supported. You know, they took time out of their days to be with us, and we were able to give them some jerseys, some memorabilia. Our sponsor, our co-sponsor, Nosotros Tequila. Big shout out to Sasha and her crew at Nosotros Tequila. They helped us out with a couple bottle giveaways, and we just couldn't be more grateful to everybody that came out. So we love you, and it was an exciting time for the Fantasy Whispers. But, Johnny, it's an exciting time for fantasy football right now. I am super pumped. We're getting into preseason. We're getting into the grind of these camps, and I just couldn't be more excited for the season. Couldn't agree with you more. Speaking of fans and shout-outs, got, I got a fan of ours gave, a, gave me this sweet football Game time on there, baby. Yeah. That's what that's what that's what it's at. So thank you at Chelsea Buyers. Appreciate the shout out and the love. Supporting your fancy whispers. All right, Travis. We got a long show today. We're doing shitty committee part three. We're gonna transition now into some wide receiver duos that are very, very talented. But we're going to break down that wide receiver duo, and we're going to tell you which one's going to be the better value at the current draft pick. And we're going to finish up those uh, running back positions there. And uh, and then we got we're going to close out the show with a couple of uh, questions from some some viewers that we were able to to sum up here. So uh, without further ado, Travis, uh, we're going to jump into the news and notes here first. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, Travis, our news and notes are brought to you by Sleeper Bot app. Definitely nice to have handy when you're going over, especially in the season. It comes really handy. All right, we're going to start off with Gruden says Jordy Nelson can still run, quote unquote. Does this give you any hype towards, you know, maybe Jordan Nelson actually being productive in that wide receiver core? I just ho- I sure hope he can run. He's playing wide receiver in the NFL. So, no, I'm uh, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm starting to get more and more bummed. I'm trying to temper my uh, emotions here. I'm starting to get more and more bummed as a Packer fan that we let Jordy Nelson go, didn't try to rework with him. But I, apparently he didn't want to restructure. Um, he – so we had to let him go. Listen, I think Jordy Nelson is a red zone threat. He's made a killing in, in the red zone uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And guess who's gone from Oakland? Uh, Michael Crabtree, who has also made a killing in the red zone. So I think that the replacement for Michael Crabtree and Jordy Nelson isn't that far off as far as red zone chops. So look for him to be a sneaky value play later in rounds. And uh, speaking of Michael Crabtree in the red zone, 
Jamison Hensley writes, Michael Crabtree has been a popular target during red zone drills so far in camp. Not a real surpriser here. You know, that's what his career was in Oakland was the red zone guy and going to Baltimore where he's going to be the number one wide receiver. Um, I definitely do like me some Michael Crabtree this year, especially where he's going in drafts. I think he can be quite the value there. All right. So, okay. And then uh, Raiders coach, John Gruden says Amari Cooper bulked up to 225 this offseason. Is this going to help him secure those balls a little bit more? He has a big issue with drops. Is adding a little weight? I don't know that I've ever heard that adding weight helps you catch footballs. Um, I don't know, Johnny. Like, he's got the – he already had the size and speed combo that I liked. I'm almost a little concerned that he'd be overweight. Let's just keep an eye on that. They say he bulked up, but I don't know. It might be like they are trying to fluff that he's uh, he's gained some weight. So keep an eye on that. I do like Cooper to have a bounce back year. He's a nice bounce back candidate this year, uh, especially if Gruden can get that off- offense turned around quickly. All right. And then Chris Thompson said he likely won't be fully recovered from his broken fibula until November after getting hurt. He had a handful of surgeries and recoveries in his career. Nothing compares to this one. Travis, tell tell the fantasy whisper community exactly what this news means. Uh, I, you know, on top of that, ESPN was reporting that Geis is going to get a lot more work receiving. That he looks good uh, to the team as far as his maturity in the uh, the coaches' room. So for me, Geis's value has just skyrocketed in the matter of 24 hours. You heard people kind of talking about him saying Darius Geis was going to be a uh, legit contender for a lot of carries this year. You remember, Johnny, we talked about him in the rookie episode right after the draft. He is a guy that was touted as, you know, being just as good or just a a smidge below Saquon Barkley. And he's had some maturity issues or off the field issues, or maybe it was just bad reporting. But Darius Geis is now set to be on a, a Redskins team that sneakily rushed around 30 times at the goal line last year. You just they didn't convert a lot having P. Ryan and Rob Kelly. So for me, oh, and that offensive line was very banged up last year. So you look at that line now, it's definitely improved. It's one of the higher ones that are ranked um, from pro football focus coming into this year. So I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in Darius Geis. Right now, he's going in at 305. That's his ADP right in the middle or the beginning of the third round, middle of the third round. Uh, for me, I could see that even getting higher right now with this news. So my question, Travis, just yeah. off the top of your heads, and I know that you haven't taken a dive into projections yet as far as putting moving guys up yet because of this latest news. But considering his ADP and who's going around him, what are your what are your thoughts on you know Alex Collins is right around there. You have you have Kenyon Drake right around there. Derek Henry is falling down to that area what yeah, right. are your, what's your thought process there who are you choosing based on if you had a draft for today i would not be surprised johnny and this you know call it overreaction or call it what you will i would not be surprised if you're moving him into the second round and in oh. up next to guys like christian mccaffrey uh derrick henry jarek mckinnon those kind of guys just because of the way that he could really come in and you see what teams do when they spend high draft stock on a running back, 
that's around 200 carries. So you start getting him more and more carries, and he starts to prove he has chops receiving, like they're saying right now out of camp. I mean, goodbye, backfield. It's all Geises after that. All right. And then uh, Doug Baldwin is dealing with a sore knee and will be sidelined a, quote, few weeks. Uh, uh, I, this is a little bit frustrating. You know me, Travis. I've not been a huge fan of Doug Baldwin throughout his career. I thought he was a little bit too uh, boomer bust. And then I was finally on his bandwagon this year. Super excited about his ADP. Oftentimes going in the third round, mid third round. Uh, and then this comes out and that's a little bit scary for me. What could be nice though, is this could cause his ADP to plummet a little bit further and he might actually start going after guys like a little whisper, whisper here, a little whisper of a guy we're going to talk about today. And Juju Smith, he might fall behind Juju. And at that point, I think that's an extreme value for Doug Baldwin. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more, Johnny. I think if his value falls or if his stocks falls a little bit, you'd be looking at an extreme value in Doug Baldwin. Uh, for me, the lingering knee issue is never good. It's never a good uh-huh. sign. It's never when something's sore and they're talking about it being sore and that he just needs to lay off of it. Sometimes that leads to surgery a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. for me, it might need to be operated on. Just watch it carefully. Uh, and I think that, you know, some beat reporters today said they think it's maintenance. Some people said that he would he would be all right. Pete Carroll said everything as as usual. He says, you know, five million different things in one sentence. So um, just watch it. I I would just watch it. And yeah, the value could be there. All right. And then just a couple of other notes and then we'll dive into our episode. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders performing at a high level. He's back. There's no doubt. Just snared a or just snared a deep touchdown from Case Keenum on one on one drills. Meshing well with his new quarterback. You called this, Travis. Um, I am much more of a believer in Demarius Thomas, but you've liked the ADP and just the fit overall. You think he can slide into that um, Adam Thielen role for Denver, in which case he could be a real steal when it comes to draft time. Yeah, he's going down there with guys we were talking about earlier and Jordy Nelson and Michael Crabtree down in the seventh round. So for me... Um, I like him more than Jordy Nelson because we just don't know about Oakland yet. Mm-hmm. I like him more than Devin Funches, who's down there, because I think there's more value in having a Broncos wide receiver than some of the Carolina weapons. Um, so for me, I like Sanders. I've been saying it all offseason. I think he's the better value. He is not so much on a decline as Damaris Thomas has been over the last couple of years. So give me um, stock of Sanders, especially in the seventh round. I, I expect that ADP to go up a little bit, but not not too much. All right, and then the last bit of news that we'll touch on today, two major takeaways from the 49ers offense today. Jarrett McKinnon caught a ton of passes, including two touchdowns during red zone seven-on-sevens, and it's funny to watch corners try to keep up with Marquise Goodwin during one-on-one drills. Uh, you want to touch on a little bit of both of these? I know that we're both pretty high on Jarrett McKinnon. Uh, that's not really that much of a surprise to me to see that he feasted on seven on seven drills, especially considering what we think about the targets that he's going to get. Um, but the but the good win one is interesting, especially because he's going so late in drafts and he could be the number one there. A lot of people are projecting as uh, Pierre Garcon, but. Goodwin has been impressing there. So what what are your thoughts on on both of those bits of news there? 
I like Goodwin, especially because he's going so late and he's got more of an upside than Garcon's going to have. You know what Garcon's going to do in this offense. He's going to just feast on on volume and targets and do his thing. But Goodwin could really pop at a lot of different times. And if Garoppolo can get his deep ball down, and that's the only concern for me, Johnny, Johnny, is that, you know, Garoppolo didn't throw the deep ball all too well last year and he's not known for it. He's that typical New England prototype. He's going to, you know, do his dink and dunk and kind of work the middle of the field. So for me, um, I like Goodwin. I mean, sure, why not at his current ADP? But gosh, I'm so excited for Jarek McKinnon. I can't help myself. I'm smiling about this McKinnon news, man. Yeah. Especially a day after they're talking about Matt Breida again. I'm just like, okay, where's McKinnon at? And he gets a <laughs> he gets a puff piece the next day. So that's um, I do want to say hello. We got a couple people in yeah, here. Yeah, Chris got, Hannon. Hannon, Jason Schumacher. Jason, shout out to him. Made our logo, which are repping right behind you. Yeah. And then uh, we got we got here just referring Chris. But Goodwin going to be this year's Thielen. That's a giant uh, whisper right there (laughs) uh, coming from the fans. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's that big of a jump that he'll make, but I certainly think that he can be one of this year's hot targets that, you know, looking back, you're like, oh, Goodwin was on a lot of, you know, championship rosters, um, helping you to that championship roster. For sure. All right. Speaking of guys that could lead you to championship rosters, we're going to finish up our round three of shitty committees. All right, Travis, the first backfield we're going to talk about today are the Carolina Panthers backfield. Um, you're looking at their 2017 stats, and they came 22nd in running back rushing attempts. They came 28th in running back yards per carry, along with 24th in running back uh, um, fantasy points, excuse me, and 20th in running back fantasy points per carry. So not really great numbers coming out of this offense however they were seventh in running back targets and 10th in running back receptions which is interesting considering what everyone was talking about when they drafted Christian McCaffrey last year they were like oh Cam Newton can't really throw to his running back he's never done it in his career why would he start now and so to see that number I think that's the most um, eye-popping number that comes out of all those stats you want to break down um what what your top option for this running back duo is? Well, obviously, it's Christian McCaffrey. I just have some problems with his current ADP, right? I mean, if you look at – he racked up 80 receptions last year, Johnny, on 113 targets last year. So right now he's going at, you know, round two, pick 10. Uh, he's at the la- – you know, he's going to have to return RB uh, two value. And last year, like, he, he kind of barely snuck in to that value, and he hit his ceiling as far as, you know, targets are concerned. He set the uh, rookie stand or the tar- I'm sorry, the running back standard for targets, 100 uh, with those 113 targets. So, but he did have more targets and more yards per reception than Le'Veon Bell. So for me, he's doing it better than the best at the position as far as receiving's concerned. The added weight is what's coming out of camp, right, Johnny? Like he's bulked up. Uh, we got to see if this equates to durability or if this equates to him being a better runner up the middle. I don't know. 
does it actually stand a chance, Johnny, at hindering his effectiveness? Because he has that ability to squeeze through the holes and kind of find the gaps and, and really, you know, find the burst. If you're a little bit bigger, do you not get those creases or do you not hit him as well? So despite the lack of proficiency as a true runner and they call him, the, you know, he can't be a third down back. Well, I mean, let's look at college, Johnny. 592 carries for 3,622 yards and 21 rushing touchdowns in his last two years at Stanford. 21 rushing touchdowns over two years. So that kind of seems like he could be a three down back, right? They used him all the time at Stanford. My concern, though, is this new offense, right? North Turner comes in. He doesn't really necessarily use a tailback, which is kind of the style of what uh, McCaffrey plays. He more uses the halfback, which, you know, is kind of C.J. Anderson's role, which you'll talk about here in a second. And North Turner has not had a top 10 offense since the 2011 Chargers. So, Johnny, I'm a little bit concerned that we're buying in on the production of McCaffrey last year. And we're buying in on what he finished the year at and not, you know, kind of what his floor is. So is it a little high? Can he do it? I'm sure he can. He's got the talent, the pedigree. Um, but I think C.J. Anderson's sneaking in and to be a nice value, a nice flex play, especially in standard. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jonathan Stewart leaves. He goes off to the Giants to, um, I guess, according to Giants beat writer, uh, just plot around. So they bring in C.J. Anderson, who surprisingly last year, he had his best statistical career on the back of the Broncos offensive, terrible offensive line where he had 1,200 total yards from scrimmage. So I think this guy still has that ability, okay? He has durability issues himself when you were talking about Christian McCaffrey's durability issues. C.J. Anderson has missed quite a few games in his career because of this. Um, he's never averaged less than four yards a carry in the five seasons in the NFL. So his carry averages about 4.4 yards per carry, whereas Christian McCaffrey's between the tackles is about 3.7. So when you're to when you're you're going to give the rock to a running back, unless it's a goal line, and even then, I think that they're going to give it to C.J. Anderson because of the role that you saw Jonathan Stewart have last year. I think it's it's only going to help Christian McCaffrey if they're, you know, 10 yards in, but if they're anywhere around that goal line, I, I could definitely see CJ Anderson being the guy who runs it in. And we talk about it, you know, the offensive coordinator and the head coach, they want to limit the rushing that cam does, right? They, they talk about it every year. We need to get it down. Actually last year was the highest that they have ever rushed him. And I was at 25%. Um, but you look at the backfield back there and it was Jonathan Stewart. I think with CJ Anderson, they could truly do that. Um, do I think it's going to drop off significantly? I don't, I still have cam rushing for six touchdowns uh, according to my projections. And I, so I, I still think that cam will get his it's, it's, it's what he is. He's a rushing quarterback, but considering CJ Anderson's ADP right now in the, in 8.01 in the beginning of eighth round, Anderson has value as an RB3 or RB4 going into the eighth. Um, and when you're looking at this offense, he definitely does have a nice upside that some of those other guys going around there might not have. And, you know, talking about Christian McCaffrey possibly getting injured. Now you're looking at a guy who's now moved into an RB2 slot, you know, or would be. In my eyes and in my projections, he would then be an RB2 so that you could pick up in the eighth round. So 
I definitely like CJ Anderson's value right now. Yeah. And like, for me, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards waiting and picking up somebody like C.J. Anderson, who I know has a shot at touchdowns. Um, I think for me, McCaffrey, I'm he's I'm avoiding him more often than not in drafts just because of where he's already at. I feel like you're buying in on you know where his ceiling would be this year for me. So, yep, uh, Hannah on a TD Vulture. That's yeah, that's Cam. Be, I mean, yeah. man, he just yeah. He rushes for touchdowns at the quarterback. He's guy. I think he leads the NFL all time now. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's amazing. All right, Travis, we're going to jump into our next running back duo here and our trio as yeah. some information possibly, came out today. Possibly, possibly. a quad <laughs> if Turbin yeah. comes back, you know? Oh, man. All right. So you want to jump into this Indianapolis Colts? You want to kick it off for yeah, us? Let's- Let's do it. So if we look at last year, it wasn't the greatest year for them. Their line is banged up. They did not have Andrew Luck. So 2017, they're looking at 13th and running back carries, although they did have the ageless one, Frank Gore. He's gone now. They were 26th in running back yards per carry and 27th in fantasy points per running back rush. Uh, Andrew Luck, I mean, we've been talking about it all offseason. We've been excited. I am still excited. He should be back. And under Frank Reich, I actually like this offense to help Andrew Luck stay upright, get the ball out of his hand quickly. Um, No more Frank Gore like we discussed. And so when we talk about Frank Reich, will he use a similar committee approach to what the Philadelphia Eagles did last year? Three, sometimes four running backs in and out. Colts have one of the softer schedules for running backs. However, their defense projects to be so bad, Johnny, and this, I think, could actually affect the backs, and they could suffer for some negative game scripts. So why don't you kick off this backfield with the highest guy in ADP, Marlon Mack, and tell the people a little bit about him. So like you just said, Marlon Mack's ADP right now, 6.08, so midway through the sixth round. And I'll be honest with you, Travis, when I'm touting out and trying to project out this backfield, Marlon Mack really, really worries me, especially with that ADP. He only managed 3.8 yards per carry last year, but the line in Indy was a lot worse than it is this year. And Frank Gore was ahead of him and he got the majority of the work. He did show flashes of being a very exciting running back, but he has issues in pass protection and ball security. So that part is very concerning. You talked about trying to keep Andrew Luck upright. That's one yeah. way to not do it and, and get kicked out of the game. But when you're looking at his electrifying ability, you look at a guy who is tied for 11th in the league for 20 plus yard runs last year. So he has that ability to burst through the hole, get monster gains. Um, he is currently rehabbing a shoulder injury. And given the fact that Colts drafted two running backs, this is a cause for concern. I just think that Mac is too risky on a team whose front office didn't draft him. He's got a suspect uh, offensive line, and we know what the running back co- uh, what the running backs coach is saying, and that's that we're going to play a lot of running backs. You're not going to have a bell cow type of running back, and the, um, so that all those things summed up uh, are very concerning to me. But we're going to talk about a couple of more guys here, Travis, that I think might be worth a stab yeah especially your uh, your little sleeper your little uh whisper if you will 
Yep. Naheem Hines. Why don't you tell us a little about Naheem Hines? He's next in ADP, so I, I, I won't steal your boy from you. Well, I appreciate that, Travis. Uh, yeah. So Naheem Hines, I, I absolutely love this guy. I've been touting him up uh, all offseason. And the reason I like him so much, and I think it was such a great way that you explained it, Travis, I, their defense is not good. So they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. And what happens when you're in those negative game scripts? They gotta, they have to pass more. And who is the pass catching back out of all of these guys? And that's Naheem Hines. He used to be a wide receiver. They transformed him into a running back in college because their wide receiver core in college was very, very good. So they didn't need any more wide receivers. They needed another running back. So they put him in that position. His current ADP right now is 12.06, midway through the 12th round. And when you look at guys that are going around that that draft price, it to me there it's it goes he's along with uh with your boy from Baltimore in um Kenneth Dixon. I think he has just as high of upside. He might not have that ability to obtain that running back one position like Kenneth Dixon might. Um, but yeah, I just the same- think the back the backfield in Baltimore is a little more valuable than probably the backfield in in Indy, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally, I totally but agree. I, I get what you're saying, right? Like they both could be that all-purpose, almost that Tariq Cohen, and then on a higher level, Alvin Kamara. I don't think Naheem Hines will reach Alvin Kamara's status because of the situations of the teams. But you're talking about the flash mm-hmm. and the upside that you could see in a guy like Hines, except especially because he ran a four. Three eight forty yard dash time, like that's super fast. Yeah, he's got he's not he's got a motor, dude. So, but given that Mike Wright, what he did in Philly with four backs and a rotation, I could see Hines being limited to only the passing downs. But like you said, if if they're in a lot of negative game scripts, look for a lot of work for Naheem Hines. Yeah. All right, Travis, we got one more running back in here, and there was a little bit of news, and I've started to watch him a little bit come up through the rankings holds backfield you want to you want to give us the lowdown on on jordan wilkins yeah i won't lie i kind of passed on naheem hines so i could get a shout out jordan wilkins like for me johnny i'm actually the most excited about wilkins in this uh in this backfield because right now he's going in the 14th round he's basically a flyer you do whatever you want with this last pick most people are picking their defense or kicker maybe he's likely the best value and he's currently like probably the best, most well-rounded back in the backfield. He's actually got ability in pass protection, size. He broke a lot of tackles in college. He also had decent work in pass catching, so he can do a little bit of everything. And we know that under Frank Reich, like we just talked about, he's going to get the work. So Stasher, if you will, a little whisper for you at the end of drafts, Jordan Wilkins. He may not stay down there because the beat writers are kind of getting excited as well. Um, and then, you know, just to add insult to injury and um, more uh, shittiness, if you will, to the committee is Robert Turbin, whose ADP is undrafted. But if he comes back from suspension, um, he could add just even more, you know, that we know Frank Wright coming from Philly. He may want to keep four running backs on the uh, on the roster. So look out for that. And then we got we got Chris. Hey, I'm going to pop up a comment here. Marlon Mack on my do not look draft list now thanks guys for the info of course so we got you for chris hannon us fantasy whispers are going to help you determine which one of these guys you're going to want and which one you're not going to want 
Speaking That's of right. guys that you're going to want and not want, I don't, well, I don't want to go that far, Travis, because that's a little bit, you know, <laughs> overselling it here, but we're going to switch over to wide receivers and the first duo that we're, we're talking about two, two wide receivers that are projected to be on a good offense. Ones that we, we both might like, Yeah, but we're going to talk you through which one is the smarter decision to make on draft day. And we're going to start off with this Minnesota Vikings wide receiver core of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Adam Thielen's current ADP is 3.10 and Stefan Diggs ADP right now is 4.01. So first pick in the fourth and near the last pick in the third. Travis, this offense was 21st in passing attempts last year. They were 13th in yards per play but then you look at Kirk Cousins coming over from Washington and Kirk Cousins actually ranks fourth in yards per attempt at 7.8 so let the fantasy community know a little bit more about who you're what what side you're leaning towards what you like about um you know Adam Thielen and this offense in general yeah <laughs> I figured that as we delve deeper and we got closer and maybe we will, maybe this will happen, but I felt like as we dug deeper, we were going to get more clear on this wide receiving core, right? I kind of am scratching my head and pulling my hair out a little bit more as we dig more deeper into it. And if you look at it, Johnny, we were talking, you know, 10 episodes ago about this wide receiving core and you're telling me, Hey, their ADP is probably going to shrink. And I'm like, yeah, it probably is. Well, here we are, Johnny. I mean, it's 3.10 to 4.01. So Diggs is closing in on Adam Thielen. The gap is there. So let's dive into Adam Thielen a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I want to I I talk a little bit about the actual wide receiving core. Under Mike Zimmer, the Vikings have averaged 22, 22nd in pass attempts over his tenure. And meanwhile, you look at Kirk Cousins over the last two years, he was ranked 6th and 8th in pass attempts. So something's got to give here. I imagine they'll be somewhere in the middle of that. I don't think that, you know, Cousins has ever really had a team that is this talented. So he's usually had to do a lot more. I think with mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook and with the defense, that could actually come into some conservative clock management game scripts, which means they're not going to be airing it out a ton, which means these guys are probably going to be fine, you know, startable wide receiver twos. I think if you're looking at upside, it's probably digs. But let me dig into Thielen, right? Last year, Eighth overall in targets with 143. He had 91 receptions. He owned 27% of the market share last year, as I think Case Keenum's style kind of fit more into uh, Adam Thielen's. I mean, that was more of his favorite, his go-to guy. He was fifth in receiving yards with 1,277. He could be in line for positive touchdown regression if you're looking at it because he only scored four touchdowns last year. But – in order to do that, he's going to have to manage better than a 29% completion percentage in the red zone last year, Johnny, whereas his counterpart Diggs was a lot better, and you know that. So mm-hmm. plays, he plays significantly better out of the slot where he played 51% of the time last year. As a result, he ran the slant and the flat 38% of the time, and not being very good at getting off of man coverage will be the key to success is, is if he can turn that around. Well, whereas for me, you're going to talk about Diggs here in a second. He's an elite route runner, so he's going to get open. Um, 91 targets were the most targets Crowder ever saw while Cousins was the QB, and that's important to realize that 
you know, we're not maybe looking at a volume guy or a guy that loves volume. Maybe he likes to take more shots. And I think Diggs actually sets up to be the better play, at least for me personally. And Johnny, you'll tell us a little bit more with Diggs. Yeah. So when it comes to Diggs, and and like you said, I back what you're saying as far as I thought that when I would dive deeper into uh, these stats and these projections, that it because I've always been high on Diggs um, coming into this season. I just thought the fit was a lot better between Cousins and and Diggs than it would be between uh, Thielen and and Cousins. But you look at Diggs last year, right? So he had a career high in touchdown receptions with eight. He scored on a monstrous 12.5% of his receptions last year. So you got to expect, I'm, you know me, I'm more of a conservative fantasy player when I do my projections. I don't like to say, oh, well, if this player did that last year, I certainly think that they could either match it or they're going to exceed. Now, is that possible? Yes, it is in the realm of possibilities. But as a fantasy uh, analytics person, I try to err on the side of odds and, and, and things like that. And so I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, another injury, uh, another interesting thing that you have to take note when you're considering digs is that he is a little bit injury pr- uh, prone, right? He had a groin injury practicing, practicing his final eight weeks or so in the year uh, until he had the monster games against the Eagles and the Saints in the playoffs. And one interesting thing that uh, I read when I was doing some research is one of the keynotes that could have happened against the Saints is they put their their best corner not on Diggs. They actually put him on Thielen in that game. And as a result, Diggs was able to have monster game. Um, he, he had 207 yards on 14 receptions in those two games. So, yeah. Um, so Johnny, I actually have a question along that same line of thought. So we're talking about yeah. it. And if, do you think the defenses will kind of shift that narrative this year and they'll actually put more of their best corners on digs? And if so, does that hurt his value? And could you see a, a universe where Thielen actually benefits because of that? So initially I, I don't think so because I think that um, teams are still going to focus on Thielen because Thielen is the guy, right? He's proven it all last year that he's good. The thing about Thielen is not only is he good, yes, he runs the majority of routes out of the slot and then he does the uh, or the flat, like you said, 38% of the time, but he's really good at the at the nine route out of the slot. He's one of the best and he can go up and grab it. He's uh, snatched way more than 50% of, of pass-up balls. So we talked about Kirk Cousins liking to take those gambles. Well, Adam Thielen is one of the best in the business out of the slot. Here's the interesting thing to me, though. Um, when you're looking at Diggs and when I'm plotting him out, right? So I actually think that Diggs will go down. He, was, he had a target share of 27% last year, which is kind of insane when, you, when you're looking at other wide receivers, uh, you're looking at, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. He had 33%. He's an elite wide receiver. Um, you had Antonio Brown. He had 27%, and he's an elite wide receiver. And I'm not saying Adam Thielen can't be an elite wide receiver. I'm just saying that those guys are a little bit more proven, and we've seen that consistently. But then you look at the quarterback in Kirk Cousins, and he's never, call it what you will, I know he's never had the talent he has here, 
in Minnesota, but he's not a guy who just peppers one guy. You look at his target share of last year. He never, he didn't have a target, uh, a wide receiver targeted more than 20%. So for me, when I, when I'm taking into those accounts, I, I use those projections. So I actually, I have uh, Diggs doing percent of his, uh, of the target share. So he's just roughly under a thousand yards and six touchdowns. Um, and when I, when I stat out Adam Thielen, I have him at about 14, uh, 16%, excuse me, which is still very high. And that's on par with what Kirk cousins does with his second wide receiver. And that gives Thielen, uh, 848, but he only has four touchdowns. So to me with them going so close, I do give my nod to, can you dig it? Dig it sucker, sucker, sucker. That's right. I give it to, I take it. <laughs> I take digs over Adam Thielen simply for the fact of, of just matchups here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm taking digs more and more drafts and I'm staying away from Thielen a little bit. Um, and we'll see more obviously in preseason. We have to watch carefully because both mm. of these receivers are going, you know, Kirk Cousins is new to both of them. We really have to watch how the rapport builds over this preseason. And speaking of watching preseason games, like I said, uh, in Mock Draft Monday, Matt Poppin is coming out with an article to tell you what to look for in these preseason games because it's important to watch uh, what you can see and what's important, especially with something like rapport. Um, so, I, you know, okay. just to sum it up, I think Diggs is the way to go. Well, let's, let's kick okay. off our last, uh, last wide receiving core here, Johnny. I, I think we have a special guest here, Travis. I'm going to go ahead and let him on the show, all right? All right, do it. Yeah, that's right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the last wide receiver duo we're going to do on today's episode. We're talking the major ones. We're, we're going over Juju Smith. We're going over the guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Antonio Brown who never seems to age. And then we're going to sneak in there with a little bit of uh, James Washington talk. But Travis, I want to kick this off first with uh, a little bit of stats from Pittsburgh Steelers last year. They were the sixth in passing attempts and they were seventh in yards per play. Ben Roethlisberger loses Todd Haley to the Cleveland Browns and longtime positions coach Randy Fitch, uh, Fitch, Fitchner. Am I saying that right? I think it's Fickner. Fickner, thank you, uh, mm-hmm. takes over, who has been Ben Roethlisberger's quarterback coach for the last several years. The Steelers have finished in the top 10 in the NFL in passing attempts three out of the last four years. Most people talk about Big Ben's home and road splits when you're talking about ben, Big Ben. That's the number one thing they bring up. However, I want to say and let our viewers know you can actually win a bar bet on this one, and that's that last year, he actually averaged 0.4 more yards per pass attempt away from Heinz Field than he did at Heinz Field. So that's just a little quick little gem there. It can earn you a free beer, uh, courtesy of the Fantasy Whispers. Um, but one thing I want to say before we hop into these wide receivers and discussing them, Travis, I know you'll start off with uh, Antonio Brown, but. Do note that they have the 30th most difficult schedule for wide receivers and the 31st during the playoffs. So uh, we'll give our our input on what that means for each of these wide receivers as we go along as well. But Travis, why don't you jump this one off with uh, one of the greatest wide receivers that has uh, ever played the game? 
Yeah, not since Jerry Rice have we kind of seen somebody um, get to this level and kind of stay at this um, same pace. So it's exciting to see um, whoa, Antonio think, Brown. Whoa, are you are you discrediting my boy? Wow, oh, Larry, Larry, Larry's wow. great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about torrid pace. You know, uh, when's the last time that uh, you know Larry Fitzgerald was the number one fantasy wide receiver? That's kind of what I'm talking about here. So Antonio Brown has finished as the number one wide receiver in PPR scoring four straight years in a row and four top three finishes in standard. So he had 150 targets last year or over 150 targets last year. And he's done that in each of his last five seasons. He also had the, led the league in receiving yards with 1,533. And he missed a few games last year, too. He had nine excellent starts and only four bad ones. So when it comes to wide receivers, I can't say much more here, Johnny. He's the cream of the crop. I I think you're taking him, you know, behind the top four running backs, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're taking him inside the top five either. So for me, Antonio Brown, I mean, I don't know th that there's much more we can say. I think that we're going to have a little bit more to talk about with Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that you're taking a little bit of a harder stance than I am on Juju, but I, let's let's get into what you have to say about Juju. So before I jump into Juju, I just want to make a couple of key notes that you mentioned there, uh, Travis, with Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown had nine excellent starts. So what, what that means is that he had over nine games where he scored over 10.5 fantasy points for your for your fantasy team. He only had four bad starts, which means he gave you less than six points. Why is that important? Why am I bringing that out? Well, you look at the most difficult schedule amongst wide receivers. Antonio Brown has done this year after year. He's been matched up with the best of the best wide uh, cornerbacks, and he still produces. He did that last year. I'm not worried when it comes to his schedule. I throw it out the window. Antonio Brown is an anomaly, okay? But when I talk about Juju Smith-Schuster, all right, his ADP right now is 4.08, so midway through the fourth round. Well, what we need to remember is this guy is young, okay? He's only 22 years old. And to put that into perspective, well, the 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 Bron Denver Broncos just just drafted Sutton. That guy's 2 years old or sorry, excuse me, 1 year older than Juju Smith. And then you look at who Atlanta just just drafted as the number 1 overall uh wide receiver and he is 2 years younger than him. So Juju Smith is still very, very young. If I'm in a dynasty right. league, I am trying to get this guy for sure because he's going to be a talent. And you look at the fact that he didn't even earn a starting role until week three when Martavis Bryant went out uh, with his suspension. His snap count took a big jump from the 30s up to the 50s and then sometimes into the 60s, which is excellent. You definitely like to see that as a fantasy player. He had six. He only had six excellent starts compared to Antonio Brown's nine, but he also had five bad starts compared to um, to Antonio Brown's four. So when you're looking at that from that perspective, he's a little bit more boomer bust. And this is where I look at schedule. So the schedule is very difficult, and I know he's going to play out of the slot. I know Travis is going to argue that. And yes, you'll you'll get a little bit easier coverage there in the slot. However, they're not going to run three wide receiver sets all the time. So for me, I just have a little bit more hesitation. Those, uh, you know, you're looking at guys that are going right around him and Cooks, Gordon, Demarius, Tom Demarius Thomas, and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, 
There's a couple guys I like a little bit more than Juju there, considering their number ones for their teams. There's a couple guys I don't like in that in that bunch. But you look at his overall play last year. He finished last season with over 900 yards and seven touchdowns, and under 80 targets, which is insane. Uh, 58 catches to maybe 75 catches next year. Travis, I'll, I'll let you know on what I have him touted as right now. I got him at 89 catches for a uh, thousand yards and possibly eight touchdowns. So um, that's yeah, what so my I projections think, are. I think your projections have it pretty much nailed right there. He is safely within wide receiver two categories. I yeah. like where he's, you know, you've got him projected there too. Yeah. He had a couple bad games. Like you said, he was also learning this offense. He was a rookie. He was very wet. He was coming in. They didn't really, you know, have him all the way in. And he still did a lot of work. But the thing for me is he plays with that Heinz Ward attitude with that. I'm going to go and do the dirty work. I'm going to set my blocks. I'm going to finish my blocks. Mm -hmm. And he does that dirty work, which means he's going to stay on the field more. The snap counts are going to stay in those 50s and those 60s this year. He is the, you know, no doubt number two. And of those guys we talked about, you look at Cooks, you know, boomer bust for sure. Josh Gordon, we don't, you know, we're getting, we're getting, you know, we'll actually talk about him a little later. It's getting a little sketchy with Josh Gordon again. So we're trying to worry. <laughs> Marius Thomas has, you know, had his career has, is declining just a little bit. You can see things going down that uh, weren't there. And Jeffrey, this rotator cuff surgery that he's recovering from is now kind of making him questionable. So for me, Juju's healthy. He's young. Like you said, he's talented. You have him projected in wide receiver two territory. I think, you know, getting that guy in the fourth round right now, I think is actually really good value. And of those guys we just mentioned, he's arguably in the best offense and mm -hmm. maybe the best QB of the bunch, at least as far as experience. And sorry, Travis, about, sorry, yeah, real ahead. quick. I just wanted to, um, I am closer to your project. Sorry, I had 89 targets. And 65 okay. receptions, 65 receptions. So I'm right around where you are. I, I definitely second what you what you were saying about, you know. Yeah, that. yeah. And I think you talked about the wide receiver, you know, the three wide receiver sets. I think with how good we are seeing James Washington pick up the offense and the coaches are actually saying they like James Washington, they may run more wide receiver sets. We're talking about Randy Fickner taking over. And he was essentially the quarterback's coach a long time for Ben. He's going to give the keys to Ben. It's going to be some of that no huddle we saw last year. I'm kind of excited for this offense a little bit more, as crazy it sounds, as a 13-win team last year. I might be a little bit more excited to see what they do, especially, you know, what if they just, you know, they find Le'Veon Bell taking some plays off or something like that. They might just want to throw it even more. So tell the people a little bit about the – you know, currently being not not being drafted, but some of our, our whisper from earlier this year, James Washington. Yeah, Travis, I, I, I have to give you a big shout out on this one. And I have to say, I apologize because when you mentioned on our Whoa, second hold on, hold on. show, hold on. Somebody get this. Are you recording this? <laughs> Somebody stop the tape right now. I think Johnny just said he's got to give this one to me. Yes, I, I do. I just want to uh, take a moment of silence to bask in this. <laughs> All right. All right. So I, I must say, when you mentioned this back in our second overall episode of the rookies, wide receivers running, uh, you know, getting going crazy. Right. Yeah. And I laughed when you were like, oh, watch out for this guy. And as I dived a little bit deeper and I looked at what this offensive 
uh, this offense could sustain, I started to see a little bit more of a carving out uh, for him, for James uh, Washington. And you look at a guy who he was the 60th overall pick in 2017 draft, and he's already making noise. Coach is already saying he's he's doing really well. They're projecting him already as saying, this guy's going to really push for that third wide receiver spot. He was the top wideout last year in college with 1,549 receiving yards. He's built a lot like a running back. He's 5'11", 215 pounds, and he ran a 4.54. So he would be playing on the very outside opposite of Antonio Brown. So, Travis, I will give it up to you. Uh, good call on this one. I, I Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that he's going to be a world beater, but uh, I do want to have a projective. You crown him. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why we took the damn field. <laughs> now, you want to crown them, then crown their ass. <laughs> uh, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. But I do have them touted right around just under 600 yards and, and three touchdowns. So um, he is a little bit making a little bit more of a push than I thought he was going to do. So, yeah, I uh, think you kind of talked about it earlier with the three wide receiver sets. For me, I just liked what James Washington does for this offense. I think he helps this offense, especially with Vance McDonald, who now got carted off. We saw. Um, mm -hmm. During practice, he's hurt. He's banged up. Could you see more of Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot, which means it opens up, you know, weaker cornerbacks on Juju, who's already a physical specimen that's been lighting people up. I, you know, I'm, I'm digging Juju. I am very high on him. I'm high on this offense. Um, ben Roethlisberger, we talked about it at the top here. He's basically being disrespected because of these home road splits. You talked about how that might be a little bit of a myth. And last year, he was in the top five at, by the end of the year. I mean, he won a lot of people leagues or got people into the playoffs based on them picking him up last year. So yep. don't don't sleep on this offense. Not that you would, but don't sleep on the complimentary guys either. All right, Travis. And then we're going to we're going to close our show. We got our very first. Uh, what, what did you call it? Whispers from the gallery. Whispers from the gallery. Exactly. So we got a couple of fan questions here that we'd love to answer. Again, if you have any questions that you would love us to answer on the Fantasy Whispers podcast, please shout us out. Leave a comment on our Facebook page or, or uh, DM us on Instagram. We do posts on there as well. And we would love to answer some questions as well as leave a comment or review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And we will love to answer those. So with our very first question, we had a Tyrell Travis. Do you sorry? Do you have those up real quick? Yeah. You wanna you wanna read out that first question? Oh uh, yeah. By? Yeah. So the first question was by I'm actually gonna go with the Josh Gordon one. First question <laughs> was by John Credit, and he said, "How can anyone justify drafting Josh Gordon at his current ADP?" Um, I'm going to go ahead and take this one, Johnny, because I've written okay. on Josh Gordon a couple times already this summer, and I've been doing some studying on the offense and, and Tyrod Tyra Taylor's fit. So for me, you can justify it based on who he's going around. So at his current ADP, it's 4.02, right? That's Amari Cooper, Rashad Penny, uh, Lamar Miller, Zach Ertz, Kenyon Drake, and Juju. So other than Juju, who I just made the huge case for, um, I could see – you know, maybe Cooper. I like Cooper as a bounce back pick, but Rashad Penny's got some questions, man. That offensive line is in um, kind of disarray. Carson's opening as the starter. They were talking about CJ Procise today, Johnny. I just think it's getting muddier and muddier by the day. Lamar Miller, I think, is just waiting for Dante Foreman to get back. 
and isn't very exciting as it is. Right. Zach Ertz is a tight end, so I could see you, and he's top tier, so I could see you taking him there. And then Kenyon Drake, another question that probably gets muddier, is Miami going to – so as far as who's around him, I'd say you can make a case for Gordon there because he is the number one on his team, and Tyrod Taylor fits his style. So speaking of Tyrod Taylor, when he had Sammy Watkins on a much less you know, uh, passer-friendly Bills offense, Tyrod Taylor made Sammy Watkins a wide receiver 15 right around the range that we're talking about Gordon going in. And then if you look at Gordon's per catch average last year, it was 18.6 yards. Amari Cooper, 14.2. Stephon Diggs, 11.8. Juju Smith-Schuster, 15.8. So he is he still had it even after taking all that time off. I think a year, you know, coming back, his body's still in, physic, uh, in great physical condition, condition, and I think Tyrod Taylor actually um, does does Josh Gordon good here. Yeah, I, I just want to do one input here, and this okay. is why I haven't really drafted Josh Gordon in any of my leagues uh, that I've done. So you know, mock drafts that I've done, and that is one what you're what you're paying. Oftentimes, if he's your wide receiver too, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm fine I, with I paying think that. that. It would be, yeah, if, if you're gambling, if you let's say you go with the strategy of the the two RB or two to three RBs to start off your uh your draft and you're you're picking josh gordon to be your number one i think that's a huge mistake and i, I will tell you why shout out and everyone's gonna say and i'm gonna get a which is that's that's totally okay but josh gordon we are chasing points and it is so far in the past we're talking about and and there was a there was a viewer uh matt poppin had said refer to 2014 for your answer yeah, that's right. I just paused there because 2014, like Travis, we were just out of college. We were we were new babies, barely out of college when that happened. Like, that's so long ago. I I'm not gonna chase those points. I I refuse to give in to. Yeah, I, yes, I it's, it's, I it's, it's 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 a heartfelt story. I get that, and and I understand that. Back, we, I just. I just told you how he, his yard per catch average was was monstrous. I mean, Marvin Jones last year was in the 18th round, 18 range, and led the league. So we're talking about a guy like extrapolated on a year, like he was still doing it at that level. Name another wide receiver they had on their team last year and the year that he exploded. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So they've got Jarvis Landry there. They've got Corey Coleman. They've got DJ. They've got a running game. I just don't think we can expect what we've seen in previous years from him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but we I can... think a wide receiver, too. I think, you know, like you said, yeah. I think a wide receiver, yes. too, is, is perfectly fine. I think he could be top 15. Yeah. I think that's where you're probably getting him. I think that's fine. And then you have yeah. the upside of a guy who could be an elite wide receiver. 100% agree. I, I Yeah. Okay, and then we're going to do just a couple more. Will Tyrell Williams be a solid wide receiver, too, behind Keenan Allen? He is a great value in the late rounds of drafts. Uh, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> not for me, all right? So we're talking – his ADP is currently being undrafted. Uh, people were hyped on high, you know, Tyrell Williams last year. Then Allen stayed healthy. Um, ben, Travis Benjamin got it going at the end of the year. Mike Williams actually started playing a little more and taking some snaps, so – you took you look at Tyrell Williams snaps last from 2016, the pre-hype or you know the coming into you know the the year that every, he did work, he was 83% of the snaps. 
In 2017, he only had 69% of the snaps. You know, then you look at his targets. He had 20.5% of the target share in 2017, all the way down to 11.3% in 2017. Or I'm sorry, in 20. I'm sorry, I had that 2016 to 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, no, I think I think this is the Keenan Allen show. I think if anybody's going to try to benefit from the Hunter Henry thing and come up, maybe Mike Williams. So look out for Mike Williams. And and Travis, I second that. That's how I have it projected right now. I have Mike Williams taking. 14% 14% target share and Tyrell Williams repeating what he had last year in the 11%. And so that gives me more confidence in, um, in Mike Williams in the fact that he has the higher upside there than yeah. Tyrell Williams does. So uh, yeah. that was how we had answered that. And then the last but not least question, shout out to Jess at Jesse Britton. What, and this is really important and for all new people too, as well, as well as seasoned veterans, um, what importance does the bye week have in selecting players in the draft? And I, I just want to, I'm going to kick this one off, Travis, and, and chime in as you need or as you feel. Um, what I'm going to say is a lot of times newer fantasy players have this huge stigmatism towards like, oh, I got, I already drafted a guy that's, you know, has a buy on week eight. And this guy has a buy on week eight. And I, I'm, you know, and they use it kind of, as a negative effect when they might pass on the better player because yeah. of the same bye week. And what I would say is you're, this is the draft. This is just the start of your team. And you can ask yeah. Travis cause he is the trade master. <laughs> the team you start with is not the team you're going to end with you're, There's ads, there's drops, there are trades. Um, so don't worry about the, especially if it's week eight and now if it's like week four and five and you've got three to four players that are on weeks four and five, then I would say, okay, be cautious about where you're going with that. Cause the odds of you trading that player before week four or week five are a lot slimmer, but if it's week eight, nine, 10, sometimes 13, don't worry about it at all. Cause the chances of that player being on your team still by that point are fairly slim. So I don't, I don't use it um, to deter me from drafting a player or not, unless it's in the early rounds. Yeah. I think it just goes back to like the old adage of best player available, right? You want to take the best player available. If you end up with something, you know, yes. Like Johnny said, you're in week 12, week 10 or week 11, uh, week 10, week nine, those kind of bye weeks and you have a lot. Yes. You're going to be a little bit concerned, but I would just stay patient take the best guy available and then look at who you have. And if you start, you know, dipping into the bye weeks and you really think it's worth, you know, sacrificing maybe a week. Um, I don't, I don't know that it ends up being that way. If you've stacked a team full of talent. All right, Travis, any last words for the people before we send them off? Just tune in Friday. We got face off Friday again, coming back at you uh, a couple of ADP uh, similarities, especially with ADP moving all over the place. It's good to keep up on these. Um, and I just, uh, I just appreciate everybody watching. And once again, everybody coming out to the bank of a Venice event. We appreciate that big time. All right. As always catch us on iTunes, Google play stitcher, Download download our latest podcast as well as head on over to YouTube and check out all of our videos. We got mock draft Mondays. We got these episodes go up right after. And then we've also got uh, the face off Fridays. Mock drafts are coming up. 
You're going to want to listen into us, guys. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Until next time, that's Big Travi, and I'm Giant Game Tom Hicks. And you come here for your fantasy football fix. All right. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.